Thank you so much for praying with me. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 John. If you're new with us this morning, um, I, I want to remind you that we have um, these journals, First John journals, on our back hospitality table. They're for everyone in this room. So if you don't have a First John journal, um, please pick one up at the back table. It's for you so that you can take notes um, and uh, so that you can uh, also enjoy that for your own time of devotion and study. Are, we, are you flashing lights at me on purpose? No, they're just going crazy? Just, just shut them off. It's okay. We don't need those flashing right now. Okay. Now I can't see anything. No, I'm just joking. Okay, so you're open to 1 John chapter 2, and I think it would be good to pray. Father, would you direct us as we explore your word together this morning? Would you help us to, Lord, pay attention? Lord, that you would draw us in. That you would, Lord, you know it's been my prayer that, Lord, you would reveal what needs to be revealed and that you would bring comfort, Lord, where that needs to be brought. Lead us to places of sweet assurance and trust in you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, how can we know if our faith is an optional add-on or if it's the defining reality of our lives? How can we tell if it's counterfeit or if it's real? How can we know that we truly know God? Religious experience isn't the answer. Being raised to believe a certain set of values isn't the answer. Surrounding ourselves with people who sound like us isn't the answer. So what's the answer? The Apostle John, in his letter, he says, this is how we know. And then he goes on to lay out a test that both reveals and comforts. So let's read about that. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have, have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. There's three things I pray we see here this morning. First, the sure test of obedience. Second, the defining mark of love. And third, poetic encouragement on repeat. Number one, the sure test of obedience.
by this we know. By this we know, he says in verse 3. The word know in, the gospel, in, this, in this epistle, 1 John, is mentioned over 25 times. And then 15 additional times in another form. It's a short letter. To know, it's to be aware of, to have knowledge of, to understand. He says, by this we know or we have certainty that we have come to know an experiential relationship. We've come to know who? Him. God. We've come to know God. You can know God. Local church, you can know God. You can know that you know him. Now, there are a lot of people out there who believe you can't know anything with certainty. And they actually are very certain about that. But we can know God. And we can know that we know him. In John's day, people had gone out from them and embraced teaching contrary to what Jesus taught and embodied. It was most likely a form of Gnosticism, which we learned about last Sunday, but which claimed superior knowledge of God. And it stirred a lot of people up. It stirred people up a lot like the conspiracies floating around the internet lately. Beliefs that play on our emotions, that seem to have insider information and maybe make sense to us in a moment, but if we're not careful, will lead us down a very dark path and push us off course. Maybe some in John's day thought, oh, they have uh, what we need to hear. They have insight that we need. They've unlocked some kind of code. They have insider information. This group, they claimed to be enlightened. And so John counters that with what we're reading here today. In verses 4, 6, and 10, John says, whoever says... Whoever says, I know him, and then in verse 6, whoever says he abides in him, and then verse 10, whoever says he is in the light. In other words, hey, they can say they know God all day long. They can talk about their experience uh, to their blue in the face. People say a whole lot of things, but just because their lips are moving doesn't mean they're speaking truth. John brings it back to the truths that matter. This is on the ground. Don't forget this. You've got to measure your life against these truths. And that's what he brings us to. And so it's a test. You say you know him? Good. Great. Do you obey him? Do you obey him? Look at verse 3. Keep his commandments. Verse 4. Keep his commandments. Verse 5. Keep his word or the revelation of God's will. What does it mean to keep? It means to watch, to hold fast, to guard And John is exhorting the church that he loves. He's saying, listen, this is how you know that you know God. If you obey, if you keep his word, if you keep his commandments, if you hold fast to them with everything in you. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. We're going to be leaning on the Gospel of John quite a bit as we explore 1 John. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus is teaching about abiding in him, remaining in him, like a, like a branch remains in its vine and is not disconnected from it. But he says in, in, in chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Okay. Now go back to 1 John. 1 John sounds a lot like Jesus because Jesus, or because John, being an apostle, is what? Holding high the teachings of Jesus. This is what he's doing. He talks about these commandments. The commandments are used 14 times in 1 John, that word commandment. He's talking about the instruction of the Lord. This is authoritative prescription. This is the teachings of Jesus and of of the word of God. These aren't suggestions. These are commandments. Are you eager to know God's will and to obey his word? Are you willing to search it out? Are you looking? Are you eager? Are you wanting to please the Lord? I love how Paul, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, um, exhorts them. Uh, Look with me in Ephesians chapter 5, in in verse 15, where he writes, Look carefully how you walk or how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Another translation says, find out what pleases the Lord. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Don't go about your day unaware or indifferent to what God has called you to do and how he's called you to live. In verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. It's very similar language that John is using. John says, Whoever keeps his word. The love of God is perfected. Whoever holds fast, whoever obeys God's word, the love of God is perfected. It's accomplished or it's fulfilled. Interesting word there. The entire Mosaic law was was summed up this way. I want you to see this. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 14, Paul sums it up this way. For the whole law is fulfilled or accomplished in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then turn with me to Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And here's why. Because love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. John says it this way. Whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected. Verse 5 of 1 John chapter 2. He goes on to say, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says that he remains in him, now that's Jesus' language. We just read that in John 15. Whoever says that he remains or dwells or abides in God, if you have fellowship, if you have the shared life that John's been talking about, if you're claiming that, if that's your claim, then you must walk in the same way Jesus walked. This is about imitation. So we're talking about obedience to the commands of Scripture and keeping uh, the Word of God and walking in obedience. 
But it looks like imitation. It looks like following Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't just for entrance into the kingdom of God and for you to kind of get your ticket to heaven. This is about relationship that looks ongoing. You don't just follow him once. You follow him the rest of your life. Where he said, he said, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will save it. That's what Jesus said. He talks about a, a self-giving, self-sacrificial lifestyle that looks like following him. And John is saying that you're claiming to, to know him and to abide in God. Well, then you must walk as Jesus walked. Live as Jesus lived. Look to his faith and to his love and to his, his obedience and to his self-sacrifice. Jesus is our king to bow before. He is our savior to worship. He is also our example to follow and to emulate. Now, some people want to dismiss Jesus as only an example. Not only in his life, but even in his death, that was just an example. It's more than that. We can't divorce what we're reading from what we read earlier that Jesus is our advocate, that Jesus is the righteous one, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, that he stood in our place and he received upon himself the wrath, the just punishment for our sins that we deserve. That's more than an example. He did something we could not do. But now we're called to follow him and look to him, rest in him, trust him. And we're not going to do this perfectly, but are we doing it? Are we looking to Jesus? Are we desiring uh, to, to reflect Jesus to a watching world? Are you growing in Christ's likeness? Do you want to walk as he walked? Well, in order to walk as he walked, you've got to look at his life. You've got to delight in it. You've got to long for it and pray for it. You've got to want it. Are you growing in Christ's likeness? Do you want to? I think that this, I know that this can protect us from nominalism being a Christian in name only. And that's dangerous. Just being a Christian in name. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. But it's more of a peripheral thing. You know, it's on the sideline of our life. You know, we, we, we kind of take that out. Or we, we, we own up to it from time to time. But the rest of our week, we, we can live as functional atheists. Give a head nod to God, and we kind of go on with our life. And that's dangerous. We want to we guard against that. And we also want to guard against individualism, this self-love, this inward focus. Jesus' life and teaching invites us to abandon our lives and to find true life in him, true life, to take up our cross and follow. So John has been talking about this test, something to measure our life against to determine whether we know God. And it's a test of obedience. Are we obeying? Well, you can say you respect and love and worship God, but it's really shown in your willingness to obey his word. And obedience will primarily look like what comes next, which is the defining mark of love. The defining mark of love. He goes on to say, beloved, I'm writing to you, uh, I'm, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. So which is it, John? <laughs> is it new? Is it old? This commandment that you're talking to us about? It, yes. 
It's new, it's old. It's old in that he says you had it from the beginning. What's he mean by that? I believe he's talking about the fact that they were taught uh, to love this way uh, by Moses. We see it in Leviticus 19. We see it in Deuteronomy 6. So yes, this is, this is old. This is an old command. But also it's older than that. That this, this command to walk in love is grounded in God's very character. So it's old. And they heard it before. But how many here have heard something before, but that just you didn't connect the dots, and then you heard it later, and it's, all, it's like this aha moment. Maybe you went to a conference, maybe you read a book, and maybe you heard someone else say it, and the light just came on. You're like, oh. You can hear something all your life, and, and, and just it not really mean anything. Or you can hear something and dismiss it. Not understand it. John says, you've heard this before. It's old, but it's new in that it is true in Jesus and in you. Now, what's that mean? It's new. Jesus taught it. He taught the commandments. He taught that you should love the Lord your God with your everything and love your neighbor as yourself. He, but he brought clarity to it. And he also fulfilled it. And he empowers us to walk in it. So Israel, if you know the story of old, could not keep the law. But it pointed forward to a new day, a day of light and life. A day when the commandment to love God and love others would be fulfilled in the coming Messiah, in Jesus, who did both. Love God and loved others perfectly. And so now we, by faith in Jesus, and by the power that he gives us through the Holy Spirit, we're enabled and empowered to walk in love. We're benefiting from this new covenant that Jesus opened the way for. This new promise. What's that? The prophets were shouting about it for ages, that the law would be written on our hearts. When the Spirit came, now what? We're walking in the, the fullness of all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Forgiveness of sins, relationship with God, newness of life. The test of obedience is primarily a test of love. Love is the proof that you walk in the light. Love is the defining mark of a follower of Jesus. Listen to Jesus uh, talk about it this way. Go back to John chapter 13. And look at verse 34. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus himself says, This is how the world, others, will know that you belong to me by your love for one another. They won't know uh, by your beautiful buildings or your fancy website or your logo or the t-shirt that you wear that says you love Jesus or the bumper sticker on your car. They will know by your love for one another. That's how they will know. In 1 John, he goes on to say in verse 8, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I love early mornings 
My family's still asleep. I get that strong cup of coffee. I go out to the front porch, and I see that little orange slice of light come up over the horizon. And it gives way to more orange, and then some pinks and yellows, some blues. And it just starts to to spread across the sky. And I know in just a few minutes... There's going to be this big ball of fire (laughs) up in the sky, shining light everywhere, really hot too. But for those moments before the sun rises, see, all those splashes of light are a guarantee that the day is here. The darkness is passing. And John is writing and he's saying, listen, listen, the darkness is passing. The true light is already shining This age to come that that Jesus makes possible, this eternal life, love is the language of the age to come. Love is the culture. And when you walk in it, you're walking in the light. It's a preview. It's a foretaste of what will be. And it's like the splash of, of, of the orange and the pink and the yellow. It's a guarantee of what's to come. We live... In that already not yet existence, the overlap, we could say, where there is this present evil age that we experience, the brokenness of life, and there is that age to come, which has begun in Christ Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The darkness is passing. And we live in the overlap. And so we pray, let your kingdom come. Oh, his kingdom has come in Christ. We recognize God's rule and reign in his son Jesus, but we pray, let your kingdom come more and more. Show your power. Show the evidence of your rule in and through my life. Oh, but we also could say the darkness is passing and the true light is coming. The age to come, this eternal life, this life now we are experiencing in the overlap, in the in-between. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 It writes, it talks this way, Jesus gave himself for our sins, why? To deliver us from the present evil age. And so as we walk in love, we get a taste of that age to come. The darkness is passing away. Let that sink in. Do you see it? Do you see the light? Do you see the splashes of color? As we walk in love, every time we walk in love, we're we're, we're walking in love against this dark backdrop that's passing away, the brokenness of this world. But as we walk in love, there's these beautiful colors reminding us that the darkness is passing. It goes on to say in verses 9 through 11, uh, it talks about these stark contrasts, emphasizing no middle ground. talks about love and hate, and he sets them in opposition to each other with no alternative. Now look what he says here. In verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Love is not necessarily uh, this, this feeling But it's a response, it's a decision, it's an action on our part that I think will come with feelings, but they're not required to walk in love. 
I don't have to have this, these great feelings uh, bubbling over in my heart to respond in love. But if you hate your brother, is this speaking about a believer, a fellow Christian? I think so. So if it applies there, it applies to all uh, men and women. I mean, if you hate your brother, you live in darkness, John says. And you're blinded by darkness. And because hate distorts, it disfigures, it misrepresents. But love, it pushes, and it pushes against any and every boundary that we might set up in our own hearts and in our own lives. We might be tempted to think, okay, I can't hate. I can't hate another person, but can I put them in a category? Another category like evil? Can I categorize that person as evil? I'm seeing a lot of that right now on social media. When we do that, they become something other. And when someone becomes other, it's easier to justify being against them. Now, this goes for brothers and sisters in Christ, where we can dismiss them. They've hurt us, and so we put them in a different category. It goes for family members. It goes for people groups. It goes for whole nations sometimes. So when we make people less than human, it's easier to write them off. So during this political season, let's guard against categorically labeling other people in a way that treats them as less than human. Let's guard against this tendency to allow ourselves to give ourselves the permission to hate. How many good people went to their grave in darkness because they were holding on to hate as if it was their right? There is no room for hate, John says. Leave judgment in God's hands. I, w- I want to show you a passage that Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. I've called this for years the faith and love sandwich. He begins with faith, he ends with love, and there's so much goodness in between. I, I want you to see it. He talks about all that has been experienced in Christ Jesus and the divine power that's been given to us to walk in. And he says in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. I'm exhausted just reading that. It feels a little overwhelming, but if we start with faith in Jesus and we end with love, and we take time to walk through that and we think, man, I want uh, these things to be seen in my life. Well, listen to what he goes on to say. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So let me ask you this. Who here wants to be ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Nobody's like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I want to be ineffective and unfruitful in my knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Nobody says that. But what happens is you will be ineffective and unfruitful if you do not have these qualities. And if you lack these qualities, verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. The problem is he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Why am I saying this? What does this have to do with John? Everything. The problem is if you're nearsighted, all you see is what's up close. It's all consuming, the circumstance, the situation, and you forget that you've been cleansed from your sin. 
And if that's how we live from circumstance to circumstance, we can justify hatred and all kinds of things. We can write people off and we forget the mercy and the grace that we've been shown. And so the remedy, the cure to that nearsightedness, that awful nearsightedness that, that, that might mark our life from time to time is to be renewed in our love and our joy that comes through Jesus and understanding that our sins have been forgiven. A renewed wonder. The love of Jesus displayed, it invites us to walk in love. And when we walk in love, we shine brightly against this black backdrop that's passing away. Finally, poetic encouragement. We go back to 1 John. It's where we're going to stay the rest of uh, the morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 he launches into this, what, what really is a poem. He says in verse 12, basically, I, I, want you, I want to be clear what I think about your faith. This is why I'm writing to you, he says. Dear children, fathers, young men, are these physical, is, this, is he writing to specific age groups? Or are these stages of spiritual development and growth? I think that's what it is. But regardless, this is poetic. And we should let it be what it is. It's a, it's a poetic word of encouragement for the churches that he loves. And do you know, I love that John got poetic. I love that he took time to write this poetic word of encouragement after challenging them with this test of obedience, which primarily is a test of love. So the test is meant to challenge and to reveal and to push against areas that we might be prone to give ourselves excuses or to walk in a way that isn't honoring to the Lord. And now he launches into this word of encouragement. And he uses this repetition to drive home his point. It's like a good song with a sweet chorus that you just want to keep singing out. And here's what he says. Hey, church, your sins are forgiven you. You know him who is from the beginning. You have overcome the evil one. You know the father. You know him. You know him who is from the beginning. You are strong. You have overcome the evil one. You've overcome the deceiver. You've overcome that liar, the murderous, hateful one. The one who does his best to work through human hatred and strife. That's the one who's been overcome through Jesus. And as you stand in Jesus, as you abide in him, you have overcome the evil one. Put that song on repeat. Put that song on repeat. Celebrate what is true here again and again. Local church, is your faith in Jesus just an optional add-on, or is it the defining reality of your life? Is it, is it authentic? Do you know that you know God? You can know. You can have sweet assurance the test of obedience and love is a test that's meant to reveal, but it's meant to comfort as well. Because if you're walking in love, John is saying, rest in the reality of what God has done. Find sweet assurance in what Jesus has done in and through you. You're strong. You know you're not inferior to all these who say they're enlightened and they have this, this knowledge beyond what you know. No, he's saying, you know, you know him. You're forgiven. Rest in that. Do you know him?
Religious experience isn't the answer. Being raised to believe a certain set of values won't do either. Surrounding yourself with people who sound like you, well, that's not the answer either. John says, this is how you can know. Keep his commandments. Walk in love. Walk like Jesus walked. Rest in the reality of who God is in Christ. Find that sweet assurance. Let this test reveal what it needs to reveal in your heart, in your life. But also let it bring the comfort it was intended to. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can know you truly. Thank you that, Lord, you've given us these tests. Thank you for the challenge of, of walking in obedience, of walking in love. We want to more and more. We don't want to be um, unfruitful, unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Protect us from that awful nearsightedness of forgetting that we've been cleansed from our sins. And for any in this room who have, has not received that forgiveness, this is new to them. Lord, would you just, Lord, show them yourself in Christ today, that they would look to Jesus today, that another day wouldn't go by without them looking to, to, to Jesus, putting their faith and trust in him. For us who, who have looked to Jesus, help us to find the sweet assurance, Lord, of what it means to rest in him and to see that he has conquered. And because he has conquered, we have conquered. We thank you for that. Amen. Well, thank you, Darren. Great encouragement to love and obey. And really a, a sober challenge as well. The words to keep his man, commands or be a liar, but there's hope there, and I appreciate how that was highlighted here, that really the purpose of this obedience test is to reveal and to comfort, and also to remind us of the power that's available for change. Really is a health check for us, gives us some perspective on what's going on, and an opportunity to address it. So I encourage you to do that leave you with this passage from Philippians talking about the power that's available in God. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. And just a reminder, if you're new, we've got a start here class right up in front starting now. Have a great week.